We're going to talk about daring to dream. Jacqueline Cochran was an orphan. She lived in abject poverty. As a preteen, she worked long hours in a mill. At eight years old, she got her first pair of shoes. She had no formal education. But just to list a few of her accomplishments after that. She founded a worldwide cosmetic company. She founded the Women's Air Force Service Pilots. She's the first woman to fly a bomber across the Atlantic. She's the first woman to fly a jet across the Atlantic. She's the first woman to break the sound barrier. She's the first woman to fly twice the speed of sound. She won the Harmon Trophy 16 times for Outstanding Woman of the Year. In addition, she talked a close friend, a retired Army general, into running for president. His name was General Dwight Eisenhower. <clears throat> At her death in 1980, she held more speed and altitude records than any male or female. When asked by a journalist how she did it, she smiled and said, I didn't have shoes, but I had dreams. Dare to dream. What is your dream? Well, Joseph was having a pretty bad day by anybody's standard. At the age of 17, when you're supposed to be dreaming about the future, maybe being accepted at a university, his life is the pits, literally. His older brothers don't throw the football around with him. They don't take him to a baseball game. They don't teach him about dating girls. They don't love to watch out for their little brother. They love to hate him. So they throw him in an empty pit. Life is the pits for Joseph. And that pit is a symbolic death. It refers to the underworld, Hades. In other words, Joseph is literally having a hell of a day. I wonder if you've ever had one of those days. Nothing seems to go right. I reckon you must have had one or two of them at some point in your life. And if we're honest with God and honest with ourselves, some days are literal Hades or hell. And you might even want to tell somebody to go there on that day. Oh, of course not you. Well, old Joseph is not down at Starbucks drinking a skinny caramel macchiato with whip. He's in a pit. No internet surfing, no access to email, no Facebook friendship, no Netflix, Instagram, Snapchat, no texting, tweeting, or twerking. Life <laughs> is the pits for Joseph. And the kid's only guilty of two things, being his father's favorite son and being a dreamer. Joseph's brothers hate him because their father loved him more than them, but we're told in Scripture they hated him the most because of his dreams. So he sits in a pit, and outside the pit, you reckon the brothers are sitting around eating flatbread. Joseph even sends his brothers an ancient Near Eastern text message. OMG, WTP. Oh my God, why this pit? They sell him into slavery eventually. They're calculating, they're callous, they're uncaring, all because primarily they can't handle his dreams. They say, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? Now that's the heart of the problem. 
Joseph's dreams are disturbing the pecking order and the power structure of the family. He dreams of his brothers binding sheaves in the field, and he says, suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. That's going over real good. And if one dream wasn't sufficient, Joseph dreams again. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. That's his 11 brothers. But don't take him the wrong way. He sees the future, and his brothers are mad to the bone because he's dreaming of a different kind of a world. Boy, I hope you are. I hope you don't just sit back, watch the news, and either rejoice or cry because it's so bad but that you're dreaming of something, a better marriage, a better future, maybe something better than your parents had, maybe something better than exists right now in your life, better economics, better in education, better relationally. I don't know. What do you dream about? Now, see, if you get a dream from God, it's going to upset the what is, what's going on right now, and you'll upset some people. Joseph, the son of Jacob's old age, if this dream comes true, he's going to be in charge and rule over his whole family, including his parents. The younger over the older, the bottom goes to the top, a dream of a different distribution of power. No wonder his brothers want to strip him of that fancy sport coat he's got and rip out any hope in his heart. Joseph plays it cool. He doesn't rub it in. No teasing, no taunting, just dreaming. But his brothers like most people in companies or churches, love the status quo, and they hate his guts because he dreams of something different. His dream is their nightmare. And if you have a dream from God, believe me, it'll upset somebody. Somebody will be. Well, who do you think you are? Well, do you think you're better than us? Are you saying then that, that we're not good enough in our family? Well, yes, actually, that is what I'm saying. I don't want to live like you. I don't want a marriage like you. I don't want a life like you. I want something better. I want something different. And that always happens. Always. Now, not everybody can handle your dream. Joseph's dreams, you know, get him in big trouble. And they make his brothers want to kill him. They say, we shall see what will become of this dreamer and his dreams. That's a threat. See, everybody can't handle our dreams. Now, that might be the case because we dream what some experts on the science of dreams call the big dream. Our dreams just may be too big or too dangerous. Dangerous because God's dreams disrupt the way things are. Dangerous because God's dreams may threaten the status quo and envision a new way of doing life. And I don't care if it's political, religious, social, uh, national, culturally, it's going to upset the status quo. If your dream only confirms what already is, rubber stamps the norm, you know, blessing the political empire of the day, it's not God's dream because God's dreams, uh, you know, invert our human way of doing things, flipping life upside down. He says, the last shall be first, the least shall be the greatest. That's contradictory to the way we live. That's why his brothers are so mad. Dreaming is dangerous because it can get you in trouble, get you in a pit, put you in jail, or sadly, occasionally, in a grave. Dreamers put their life in danger because others may attempt to kill the dream. Let me just say this. 
You don't want to hear it. Your dream does not care about your circumstances. Your dream does not care how many tears you cry. Your dream does not care how much pain you had to suffer. It stands behind all that mess and waits on your arrival. Your dream does not care what you have to go through to get it. Now, you might as well suck that up and have a double espresso out in the cafe and face it because that's the truth. That's the truth. People want to kill the dream, and the enemy wants to kill any thought you have that that could possibly come true. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a dreamer, and he put his life at risk. I mean, to say the least, he dreamed of a world that disrupted the established status quo in our society. In 1963, at the March on Washington, D.C. for Civil Rights, Dr. King dreamed. Well, he can say it better than me. Listen to his words. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Well, I wish I could talk like that. And that changed the world. Now listen, that was not going to be the speech for that day. But if you young people wouldn't have a clue who it is, but Mahalia Jackson, the great gospel singer, was standing right behind. You can look, Google a video. She's right behind Dr. King. And he starts talking and she says, tell him to dream, Martin. Tell him to dream. Meaning he had been talking about this in other places. She says, say that. Tell him to dream. Boom. And that's what happened. But not everybody understood that dream. Not everybody understands that dream today. Not everybody understands dreams, period. And not everybody can handle dreams. Not everyone, like Joseph's brothers, want your dream to come true. Dr. King's dream led to his death. Stanford University historian and King scholar Claiborne Carson was asked in an interview, what messages do you think King would want to impress on Americans today? And Carson replied he would want people to know that his dream was still unfulfilled at the end of his life and remains totally unfulfilled yet. Now, we may think Dr. King only had the I have a dream speech, but he spoke of other dreams throughout his life. In a 1961 commencement address at Lincoln University, King speaks about the American dream, and he says, America is essentially a great dream. A dream is yet completely unfulfilled. See, dreamers know that some dreams will be unfulfilled in their lifetime or even shattered. Dr. King was no different as he preached sermons about the unfulfilled dreams in 1968 and shattered dreams. He believed those kinds of dreams were hallmarks of just our mortal life. 
Life will not always be the best of times, and sometimes you'll agree it could be the worst of times. A university senior getting ready to graduate, ranked first in her class, was killed in a tragic car accident over a spring break. Her dreams and her parents' dreams unfulfilled and shattered like broken glass. It happens. Little Nigerian schoolgirls were kidnapped, causing social media movements like Bring Back Our Girls and Stolen Dreams. Marriages ending in divorce, revealing again that fancy weddings don't make fantastic marriages. Oh, Jesus, yes. Anybody been married over a day and a half? You can have a fancy wedding. I've never been to an unhappy wedding. Never been to an unhappy wedding. But dear God, have I seen unhappy marriages. What it takes to have a wedding and what it takes to have a marriage, oh, so different. What it takes to have a dream and fulfill a dream, oh, Lord, that's big. Big difference. Maybe infertility issues with a couple who want children, making them feel kind of like hope unborn has died. Or betrayal in friendships, such that you learn what relational terrorism really means. Or dream jobs turned into nightmares when you find yourself laid off in your mid-50s, but you still got a family to support. See, King was honest, and he believed that few of us lived to see totally all of our dreams fulfilled. But that didn't stop him from dreaming, and it shouldn't stop you either. He still had the courage to dream and take risks to dream, knowing that not all dreams come true, certainly not in our lifetime, and that dreaming can even be dangerous. So why should we dream? We dream because to dream is to live, and not to dream is to give up and die. Howard Thurman, former dean of the chapels at Howard and Boston Universities, he put it this way, we cannot continue long to live if the dream in the heart has perished. Where there is no dream, life becomes a swamp and a dreary dead place, and deep within our heart, it starts to rot. But as long as a person has a dream in his heart, he cannot lose the significance of living. Wow, so true. To dream is to live, not to dream is to die. <laughs> Bobby Davis and Missy were in Rome, and they sent me a picture of the catacombs. And Bobby sent the text with the picture, and he says, we're going to see dead people. I said, I get to see them every Sunday. See, churches may be dying because they stopped dreaming long time ago. I remember we said, listen, you're sitting in the middle of a dream, particularly if you just got around here. This didn't happen overnight. This wasn't a weekend. Well, let's do that. It's been a dream from a front porch sitting in a rented little motel to begin. And the dream is unfulfilled yet. Thank God for what has occurred. But like Dr. Keem, holy moly, we're not even close to the finish line. We've got a three-court NBA gym with classes already drawn, architecturally ready. I need $6 million to put it up. If you'll step forward, we'll get construction going Monday. It's going to go right over here. And we need a children's building right over here. I see. I see. And it's easy to get complacent and just sit around on somebody else's dream. But if you're part of this family, I hope you can dream a little bit bigger than a comfortable seat. We want to leave a legacy for the next generation. I want those young people that finish camp and thousands like them 
one day will step into the leadership role not too far in the future, and I want them to have everything they need to make a bigger impact. Let's leave a legacy, not just some bills. Let's leave a legacy. Say, man, thank God you were here. They are going to stand on the shoulders of this generation. Our sacrifice, our sweat, our blood, our dedication, our faithfulness. That's what they're saying. They were born on third base, but don't let them think they hit a triple. They did not. The people, the people that, that run this place laid their life down 30 years ago in order to make just this beginning possible. Now, you get to enjoy that, but who's coming after you? What are you going to leave them? See, it's easy just to watch. It's not so easy just to get involved. But we expect everybody, every class, every department to be part of the whole, be part of the family. You're not, we're not starting separate ministries, doing your own thing. Every other ministry here is connected to the main family. And when we have a big event, when we have a corporate event, we expect every leader and every class of that leader to support it. I go to Hillsong quite often, and they've got 20 times more people than us, but every other ministry is different and diverse. They have lots of different activities, but boy, when the church family has a meeting, has something planned, they're all there. Everybody, the leader, the class, the teenagers, the young adult, the college and career, they're all doing it. Every ministry, the marriage classes, all of them. Hey, every person is important to the whole. We're trying to build a legacy we can leave for the future. Now, I don't know about you, but I inherited nothing from my family. Nothing. Okay, big deal. It'd be nice to inherit something, you would agree. But I can leave something for our kids. We can leave something materially for our children, but we can leave something better, something spiritual for our children and grandchildren. If everybody will jump in, buy in to the dream. We love to go look at beautiful things. Whoa, look at that. Whoa. Look. Yeah, somebody paid for that. Somebody laid their life down for that. We don't, there are no cheap dreams, no Kmart blue light markdown dreams, no, no discount, no dollar store dreams. They're all way expensive. I mean, if you have straight hair, it'll perm your hair. How much? Yeah. And so the main people just watch. We got churches are filled with spectators. They just love to be entertained, but nobody wants to contribute. Yet we want big things. Big things won't happen unless everybody plays the game. We've got to all get in, pull the sled together, and do what we can. So, probably, I don't know, people don't always fail because they aim too high. In fact, I don't think that's a problem at all. I think people aim too low and make it. And they say, well, good enough is good enough. Well, for you, I, I don't buy that. I don't accept good enough is good enough. You know, once upon a time, I remember dreaming I was going to be a rock and roll star and a fighter pilot. My dream didn't totally come true. God did let me do both of them just out of grace. But it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be the big deal. I didn't know that. It wasn't God's dream. But God is gracious, and he let me participate. But he will preserve his dream even through your detours in life. God, God says his gifts and callings are irrevocable. He hadn't changed his mind about you. You may have abandoned your dream, but he hadn't changed his mind. You need to go back and resurrect that dream somebody stepped on, killed, or that you threw away because of some setbacks in your own life. God preserves his dream for Joseph by using Reuben, that nasty brother, to save his life and the dream God had for him. See, Joseph is not murdered, but that was the plan. 
And God will use unlikely people and predicaments to keep his dream in you alive. There will be detours in life, and, you know, sometimes life, it's just going to feel like the pits. But God's at work in hidden ways, even then. Your dreams may manifest in ways you never imagined. Your dreams may not have come true yet. They may be delayed, but I guarantee you they're not denied. You know, life in Joseph's case, uh, in his dream, was delayed. I, uh, I don't know, some estimates of 21 years. But it wasn't denied. He kept a dream alive and eventually became second in command in Egypt because God's dreams cannot be stopped. God told a man when he was younger, you're going to have a kid, and you're going to be the father of a great nation. And that sucker was 100 years old before that dream came true. And his wife, 90, get you some of that. <laughs> now, I'm just showing you, God can do anything. But, but Abraham believed God, and God reckoned it to him, accounted it to him as righteousness. I just believe if God told me he can do something, age isn't a factor. Some of you are think you're too young. Some of you said, well, I'm retired. What's that got to do with God's dream? Read Joel 2. In the last day, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh, on your sons and daughters. No gender is excluded. And he says, your young men will have visions. And your old men, your retirees up there drooling on yourself. Your old men will dream dreams. So get over the idea, I'm too old, I'm too young. I've never entertained the thought I'm too old for anything. God can preserve my strength, my health, and my life until what he promised comes true. And he will. Don't you let somebody steal your dream. I'm sorry for preaching, but I do have a license. God's dream will prevail because God is preserving his own dream for the world and for your life. God's dream is not dead because not even death could hold back God's dream for the world through Jesus Christ who conquered the pit of hell to be Lord of all. Joseph's story reveals that setbacks are setups for comebacks because dreamers don't die or go away easy. A Harvard Business Review article urged readers how to have a year that counts. And it said, quote, Start with your dreams, not your goals or plans or objective, but your dreams. Dream the unthinkable, the impossible, the questionable, the unorthodox, the risky, and the dangerous. I mean, for crying out loud, we got enough paper pushers, machine maintainers, meeting managers, administrative advisors, email extroverts, full-time Facebook folks, but do we have any dreamers here at Summit? Those who are determined to keep alive the dream in the heart and hold fast to dreams regardless of what other people say. I mean, is anybody out there dreaming anything? I don't mean daydreaming during my message or dreaming of retirement, but dreaming God's dream for your life, your family, for your part of the world. You just never know. Uh, that men dream to break in the sound barrier and then that several people lost their lives in early attempts. Research scientists, aerodynamic scientists, said it was a physical impossibility to break the sound barrier until Chuck Yeager broke it in the early 40s in the Bell X-1. And they discovered that the problem wasn't the air. It was in their thinking. 
they had to change a part of the airplane and then breaking the sound barrier became easy and everybody did it. The problem wasn't in the air, the problem was in the mind. What is it in your thinking, in your attitude, in your behavior or belief that's limiting you from breaking through into what God has for your life? There is something holding you back and you change that, you change your own world. See, dreams are bigger than your college degrees or lack of it and your possible maybe upward mobility in a company or your religious denomination. You know, your denominational affiliation is not the sum total of who you are or your destiny, nor is a political party, nor should ecclesiastical powers or corporate executives or religious big shots dilute your imagination of what could be because God's bigger than all that. And could I just deviate for a second and say this? All of the great churches that are right now in our country are the sons of men who came up under a limited religious establishment who didn't see bigger. And they said, we're going to change that government. We're going to change that style. We're going to change that worship. And we're going to make a difference. And they went on to build some of the greatest churches in this country. But they had to get out of the box and get out of the limiting power of those naysayers who control business or industry or religious denominations or political uh, affiliations. I mean, for God's sake, if everybody's thinking the same thing, you need to move rooms. Right? You need to, I mean, something's wrong if everybody's thinking the same thing. If everybody thinks your idea is a good idea, it's probably not a good idea. Because if, if it challenges what is, somebody's not going to like it. Dreams can be dangerous. And you may have to risk your life or risk the way life is by dreaming it. But to dream is to live, not to dream is to die and rot away. I mean, to imagine beyond what we see or experience. To dream, what was Frank Sinatra's song I love? To dream the impossible dream. To right the impossible wrong. Where's my Frank Sinatra old people out there for crying out loud? That ain't Justin Beaver. That was great music. That was a great song. To dream beyond ourselves and dare to dream courageously so much that it includes the entire world. I hope you have a dream, though dreams are not always welcome. You know, Joseph was an unwelcome addition to his family. And every business institution or firm or corporation or political affiliation or church won't often hire dreamers as staff team members. But if you aren't dreaming, you are dead. So dream on when the stormy clouds of doubt start to roll back in your life. Dream on when depression wants to take a summer vacation and recline in your heart and mind. When your mind wants to waterboard your spirit. Dream on when it seems like the only person cheering you on is you. Dream on when it's hard to dance because it feels like the devil's on your back. I mean, dream on, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Dream on. God's not finished with you yet. If you're still breathing, you're not done. Dream on, because God will do more than you ask, think, or imagine. That's an apostle speaking. Dream on, for nothing is impossible with God. Amen. How about a good shout, amen. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com dot com.